We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. All right, everybody. Here we go. We're doing podcasting again. Oh, yes. This this is going to be your Class A full-bore angry podcast today. Uh, there have, uh, It's a recent turn of events. There have been some things that have really just gotten under my skin. Now, here's the problem with me. I have some things that set me off. I can't explain it. I mean, I can explain it, but I can't. I mean, it's all just stuff that doesn't ultimately matter, right? Um, oh, first of all, before we get going, uh, a little point of business. I had to take down the forums um, because it was nothing but spammers. It was just people who would sign up. And I don't even think they were robots. I think they were legitimately real people signing up to spam and put in links and you know because that's how google does its relevancy it checks to see like who's linking to you and how many people are linking to you and then it rates you based on that so if you just put a bunch of links all over other places um, that will artificially inflate your relevancy and get you higher up in google search results i have been told that uh they are on to this idea and so um if it looks like all these links are coming from a message board or a forum, um, then they will instantly discount uh, these entries. I don't know. I don't know if it still exists. And, you know, who knows? The way Google does its rankings, it's all just just some weird, crazy black art that I don't understand. Uh, The other thing, uh, speaking of points of interest, uh, that I'm going to start doing is I am going to start encouraging everybody to write short stories. Super short stories. Like, I think I've got two. Each one is like two pages, three pages, something like that. Because it turns out you can put documents in podcasts in iTunes, not in the podcast itself, but you can put it as an entry as a podcast. So when you get, you know, you launch your iTunes, you get your latest stuff, boom stories start popping in as well. So I'm not going to read the stories. You you can read the stories. You you read. You need something to do. Go ahead and read those. But And they have nothing to do with the podcast. It's just something fun to have and, and get a hold on. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll make reference to it or not. Oh, so because um, there, uh, there is no more forum on the website, uh, there's a contact link though, and you can click on that, or you can, you know, if you have most of the people, uh, who listen to this have my personal email, you can always email me with whatever you want, comments, thoughts, um, or, um, uh, you, and then of course, if, if you want to just email me directly, uh, I believe say my name bitch at ugtv.org still works. So you, you can do all of that. Uh, it's, I'm sorry, it's not as collaborative. And maybe if I can find a way to set up the forum again, um, with, without it just getting pelted, uh, with spam, then maybe I'll do that. But anyway, that's the, uh, that, that's the, the, the point of business. Getting back to uh, an earlier podcast, I had talked about uh, in in the episode Worst, where we're talking about the worst jobs we ever had. 
One of the things I should have mentioned is the worst TV show that there ever was, right? And I am lobbying that the worst TV show ever was Webster, right? Now, I understand that you know, there's a lot of people who could say, you know, small wonder, out of this world. Uh, those shows, to me, don't really qualify. Uh, here's the criteria of which I say worst show ever. First of all, has to be um, uh, prime time television, right? None of this, you know, that's why Small Wonder doesn't count, because it was on, like, Saturdays at 2, or it was on, like, After School, or some nonsense like that. Granted, terrible, terrible show, but I really want to know about the worst prime time show ever. Uh, and it had to have been on several years. Now, why is that important? Because what really drives me crazy about terrible shows, like if a terrible show comes on the air and you say, oh, this is a terrible show. I'm not going to watch this. And it lasts four episodes and then it gets canned. Oh, like that caveman show. Oh, that caveman show. That caveman show was fantastic. For those of you who don't remember, um, they still do it. Uh, Geico has this, uh, not the lizard, but they have another ad campaign that you'll still see occasionally. It's, it's a, you know, a caveman sort of doing something and he's in a suit, you know, he's not dragging a club. He's not wearing like a Fred Flintstone leopard print. Uh, he's got a suit on and he's doing something and maybe he's having a conversation about, you know, uh, what what he's going to do after work or something like that. And uh, he will stop. He'll see the Geico slogan that says, you know, so simple, even a caveman can do it. And then he gets really offended and pissed off. So some genius said, we got to make this a TV show. Now, mind you, it was a successful ad campaign. Everybody seemed to enjoy it. But it is a one joke ad campaign. I mean, because really, it was the same joke in every uh, ad. It was a guy, and he would be there, and a caveman, and then he'd get hurt, and then that was the joke. And it was a funny joke, but you can't make a half-hour sitcom uh, week after week with one joke in it. So, now the reason I'm telling you all of this is because I will bet dollars to donuts y'all didn't see it. So, and it, and it bears repeating. Um, the worst part of this show is that they said, well, what's going to be our new one joke, right? Because we can't use that other one. What's going to be our new one joke? Well, they decided the way to go would be, let's make cavemen the one race of people that you are allowed to make fun of. Right? Like, you can't make, you know, you can't, uh, on the TV show Webster, you can't make fun of the fact that he's black, and then the uh, two older people are white. You can't do that. I mean, sure, you could do it on different strokes, but hey, that was, you know, five years earlier. This is a totally different time! Uh, so they said, great, we're gonna take every stereotype, and we're just gonna mush it into one, in, into, into th this caveman group. And so, uh, you know, it's the whole thing about how the girl is dating the caveman, but she's embarrassed because he's different. And uh, there's a whole, I think they make a lot of references about him having a big penis and about being good at math and being a bad driver and all this stuff that's just like every racial stereotype just kind of smooshed together in this one. And you're just like, wow, this is amazing. This is a thinly veiled racist show. Genius idea. But that's not what, but, but you see, 
that show only lasted, I think, four episodes. And then everybody involved was like, nope, got to take that off. Uh, and that's why it's not the worst show ever. The, it has to be the worst show ever because it has to defy all logic, right? And Webster does it, right? You know, you get, um, you get your, uh, oh, uh, what's that one where they're, uh, the Facts of Life. Facts of Life was a terrible show, and it went on for years. I think it went on for like 12 years, even because they did that later one where they're all working together in the gift shop and they graduated high school. Anyway, um, the Facts of Life on paper was great. You get a bunch of hot chicks. You put them in uh, Catholic high school girl uniforms. They get their lesbian freak on. Uh, that is the show I would want to watch. Now, mind you, of course, it didn't come out that way. That was just the way it was on paper. But on paper, genius. Webster, Webster on paper, not good. Not good at all, even a little bit. Like on paper, it's sassy black kid and two white people. No, not good, not funny. Um, th- on paper, who do we get to play the dad? Oh, I know. How about a former football player? Because they are always known for their awesome comedic timing and acting skills. Genius. This whole show just confused. Oh, the, my, my favorite thing about this whole show is I actually got to meet one of the guys who wrote on Webster. And he said that uh, they used to shoot in front of a live audience, but they couldn't anymore because the former football player, Alex Karras, couldn't remember his lines. So they had to break it up into two days. And, uh, you know, he would they would do something and he'd forget his line and then they would stop and then they'd remind him and then they'd start shooting again. And uh, their mantra in the writing room was good enough. There you go, folks. There's some quality programming. So this whole idea of what in the hell were they thinking, putting it on the air, and what the hell were they thinking, people watching it? It doesn't make any sense. And here we go with today's topic. Ah? I don't know. I'm not sure that's going to be the topic. I'm, uh, I'm refining it. But it's basically the topic is stuff I, I can't wrap my head around. Like, I can't understand why you would do this. Um, you know, I, I like a lot of different things. Musically, for instance, I, there's some classical music I like. There's some rock and roll. There's even a couple of rap songs I like. Uh, I, I don't like most rap, but there's a couple in there that I can dig. And even though I don't like most of it, I understand its appeal. I understand why you might like it, what, what you might find entertaining about it. But there are a lot of things in this world I can't, I can't wrap my head around. Like, why does anybody like this? Why does anybody think this is good? The latest thing, and this happened just hours ago, that blew my mind, was this new thing that is out there waiting to screw you. <laughs> um, so I, I don't consider myself that early of an adopter of technology. I usually, you know, I, I plan, I, I look at it and I say, oh, that's a great idea. Looking forward to the future, all this stuff. But it turns out now, uh, there is a new technology, a new copy protection technology out there called HD 
HDCP. I guess it's HD copy protection. It's high definition of copy protection or something is what it stands for. Here's what it does. It fucks you. <laughs> I mean, really. Um, so what, here's what happens is in order for this to work. So here's so so it it is involved with Blu-ray players playing DVDs on your Xbox or PlayStation, uh, any of the Netflix on-demand content that you want in HD. All right, this is only applies to HD. So if you have a uh, Xbox and you set it up to output components or composite or one of the other lesser formats. This doesn't apply to you. Don't worry about it. But if you're like me, you want the nicest quality. I mean, you spent all this damn money on this stuff. Now, mind you, I understand these are rich people's problems. You all right? I get it. I understand. There's people, Brittany Murphy is dead. All right? There are people starving in Africa. They don't have access to clean water. I get it. These are rich people's problems. That's fine. I'm fine with that. That doesn't mean I'm not allowed to complain. Good grief, man. What kind of world are we living in where I'm not allowed to complain just because I have running water? Look, just because I can shit without getting Giardia doesn't mean I can't complain. By the way, my favorite uh, French movie is that one uh, where she gets sick going to France starring Giardia Depardieu. Thank you. You're welcome. Anyway. So here's, here's what I'm up against. So when, um, when we bought this house three years ago, again, rich people's problems. When we bought this house three years ago, I was like, oh gosh, this is, this is, uh, you know, yet another big life moment. I want to get something fun. I want to get something fun. We're spending all this money on this house. I just want some one fun new thing. So I bought a, I, I looked around and I was looking at, uh, flat screen TVs. They were not that pre- as prevalent then, but you know, I was looking around and I was really unhappy with how the DVDs blow up to fit into an HD screen. They look, they look nasty. And so I was like, God, you know, I've got a lot of DVDs that I might want to watch again. And these all look like crap. So I said, well, okay. Um, Oh, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a projector that costs about the same amount of money, much bigger screen, and uh, they, it actually, looking at DVDs on it is actually a really pleasant experience. So I was like, okay, great, this is what I'm going to do. Now, flash forward three years, and and honestly, though, I, it might have even been before that. This, this HDCP stuff might have been around a lot longer, but here's the crazy bit is... I don't ever hear anybody talking about it. I have never heard anybody. It's all been, oh, well, there's Blu-ray and there's uh, uh, HD DVD and there's this and there's that. I have not heard one mention of HDCP. So what HDCP does is it, if you don't have HDCP compliant equipment, in any point in this chain, it breaks. It just stops working, right? So you get a Blu-ray player, which attaches to your HDCP uh, audio visual tuner, you know, the things that your speakers connect to, and then that connects to your television or projector, all right? So now we've got three components in play here, 
and two sets of cabling. That's five things that you have to worry about. If any one of them is not HDCP compliant, the whole thing doesn't work. So you just spent a whole bunch of money on this, uh, you know, Blu-ray player, but you can't use it unless you want to, I don't think you can even play a Blu-ray in component video. You might be able to. They sell converters that convert it down to component from HDMI, but again, I don't want that. I want HD. So, of course, guess who three years ago spent a whole bunch of money on a projector And I don't even think HDCP was even invented. Certainly nobody was talking about it. That's right, you guessed it, me. So the moral of the story is, is if you're going to buy anything new, component-wise, I haven't found anybody out there. I just did a whole bunch of searching on the internet. I have not found anybody yet who is selling a HDCP stripper that will strip out the copy protection and send you the pure signal. Uh, I saw some things that said this one German company used to make it, but it's 500 bucks. Good God. Now, mind you, spending 500 bucks is a lot cheaper than buying a new TV or a new projector or something like that. But still, I mean, this is ridiculous. And there's no way to retrofit it either. There's no way to say like, oh, yeah, I've got this HDCP uh, component and I can just put it on the end of that and plug it into my projector and now I'm compliant and all that jazz. Here is the craziest part of this whole thing, right? So the way this whole works is it's all done with encryption keys. So... The, and the big deal is, is all the manufacturers have, deci- have, have agreed to keep their encryption keys secret. So let's say you are a black market HDCP stripper manufacturer out there who wants to pull the encryption out and, um, and, and or, or pretend like you have encryption and then just pass through your signal to the next guy. So... The way you do that is you steal somebody else's encryption or you figure it out what it is from a major manufacturer like a Samsung, for instance. So now you've got your encryption key. Now you're now you're the pirate and you've got the Samsung encryption key and you've got it on your dongle box. So you sell it to whoever to make this stuff work. Samsung gets word of this or it wouldn't be Samsung. It would be somebody else, maybe the governing commission over this ridiculous technology, and they say, well, that encryption key is no longer valid, no longer good, take it out. That we're, We will now invalidate that. So for instance, Netflix on-demand service, it uses HDCP. Apparently, what they can do is they can invalidate encryption keys. They can revoke encryption keys and say, like, that is now no longer a valid key. So if you're playing, you know, your Netflix on demand, I don't know if it invalidates it for everything or just for the Netflix. But if you're somebody who bought a Samsung TV and a pirate stole that Samsung encryption code, there's no way to update your TV with that code. And if they shut down that code, your legally purchased Samsung TV now becomes not useless, but that aspect of it no longer works. How they will not get sued over this blows my mind, because are you telling me now 
that there's no way I can fix my TV. There's no way I can update my projector. And the only way around this is to spend thousands of dollars more every time some hacker hacks my encryption code and you shut it down. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely insane. And I'm starting to salivate now and I'm spitting and it's just a mess. Okay, so look, maybe this wasn't the most entertaining of topics, but it was on my mind, and I just, because nobody is talking about this, I wanted to make sure that everybody who is listening, all five of you out there who are listening to this podcast, I wanted you to be educated about HDCP. Because I had no idea, and I feel like, you know, look, man, I, I, I read technology blogs, I, I listen to the Engadget podcast, even though 90% of the time they're talking about phones. Hey, it's the Droid. Hey, it's the N700. Oh, good Lord. I understand. Look, I get it. Like, everybody else but me has a smartphone. My wife has a smartphone. She, she uh, you know, she's doing stuff with it. She's putting in addresses and all this jazz. I think the reason I don't have a smartphone is because I'm either here at home or I'm with her. I mean, you know, if if I'm out, I'm out with her. And then, if you know, and and if I'm not with her, I'll have my, my, my stupid phone. I got my virgin pay-as-you-go phone, and she can call me, and I can be like, woozle-wuzzle, beeble-dee-pop-pop, doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. So here's another thing that's been bothering me. So, uh, you know, I... If you listen to uh, last podcast, I was talking to Jesse Thorne, and I was over in his message board, uh, MaximumFun.org, and they were having a discussion over there with the Max Funsters, as they call themselves, or his he calls them, uh, about, uh, you know, movies and culture and whatnot. And there's a lovely discussion about the Mighty Boosh, which, if you haven't seen it, is a very fun, bizarre uh, British television program. But they also had a discussion about the movie Avatar. Now, I... I recently saw Avatar, and uh, somebody. Oh, here's something I'm going to include uh, with the podcast is uh, an, a, a graphic that this guy made, basically uh, taking the outline for the book Pocahontas or whatever the story of Pocahontas, and uh, crossing out all the character names and replacing them with all the character names from Avatar. And it's the same movie. I mean, it's the exact same movie. And honestly, I'm a little annoyed at myself because I kept feeling like, oh, this is so derivative of like, you know, Manifest Destiny and the Americans coming in and displacing the American Indians and all this stuff. But I I didn't, I wasn't smart enough to put Pocahontas on that label. And it totally is. It totally is. Ah, I'm so mad at myself. Now, here's the thing. First of all, Avatar, visually stunning. If... If you want to see some visually stunning, go see it. But I advise you to bring an iPod and put, I don't know, maybe this podcast in while you're watching it. Because the story, the dialogue, everything, crap. Not worth your time. Um, A lot of people liked it in 3D. I saw it in 3D and I was like, oh, okay. But... I guess this is a movie, this is, this is an interesting trend in 3D, which I hadn't really picked up on. And again, I feel stupid for not having picked up on it, which is, um, 
the 3D lately, they're getting smarter with it in the sense that it's not all about sticking crap in your face. Like when 3D first came out, like uh, the uh, House of Wax with uh, Vincent Price before he started doing Scooby-Doo specials, uh, I think it was in the 60s it came out, uh, there was a guy who was doing, you know that paddle ball thing where it's the rubber ball on the string and it's attached to the paddle and he goes bop, 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 bop. So there's a, there's a, that was in, you know, back in the red and blue days of, of 3D where you had red, red, red lens, blue lens on your glasses. I'm saying this for the kids out there, everybody. I know all y'all my age know exactly what I'm talking about, but the kids, they don't understand with their fancy polarized glasses and their n- not uh, two color show. Uh, there was a guy in the movie The House of Wax. And he had those paddle balls, and he was doing it right at the camera, doing his, you know, sort of hucksterism, trying to get you into the House of Wax as a tourist attraction. He goes, bah, 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 bah. and the balls are coming right at your face. Balls in your face! Wow! How can you not love that? Uh, so, um, so... Uh, you got the balls in your face and, and for a long time that's how all 3D movies were was just what crap can we just stick out at you um, the best use of 3D I will have to say was and it's no longer there which is a crying shame because it was fantastic it was in Vegas they had the Star Trek experience at the Hilton and they had two rides uh, one of them uh, was uh, kind of a Days of Thunder uh, Star tours you know you're in a box and the box tilts around and they've got screens all around and it makes you want to vomit uh as we have previous discussed uh in the i think birthday podcast we we had a lot of vomit talk there uh but anyway so there's one of those but there's another one that's a 3d movie and it was so great it was it was uh you get abducted by the borg and they try to assimilate you fantastic so what they would do is you know you would you would uh, get, you would try to escape the Borg. They stick you in a shuttle, and then the Borg find you. They grab the shuttle. So when you're in the shuttle, you're in the movie theater. It's a huge shuttle, but you're in the movie theater. And then that's when the 3D movie starts. And they had these little, uh, they look like giant robot mos- mos- mosquitoes, mosquito mosquitoes, <laughs> mosquitoes, <laughs> mosquitoes that fly around, and they. Um, spray you with this stuff and they really had sprayers in the theater now mind you it wasn't all over the place so you had to be kind of sitting in the right place but you could get shot with this mist as you see it coming at you and then like these these uh, the mist is like full of nanite bugs that kind of crawl into your system and they had uh, massage all the chairs in the theater were massage chairs and so they would go up and down as if the things were really working into your spine and the 3D there was so amazing that that mofo was 3D! Um, and so, you know, everybody's talking about how great the 3D is in Avatar. But what, if you go and see it in 3D, what you have to notice is it's the opposite of balls in your face. It's, it's now about depth. Right? Like, how deep does everything look in 3D? It's not about how at you everything is. So, uh, in terms of, though, but here's the thing about Avatar that is kind of bugging me. Everybody is screaming about how 
just how this changes movie making and how the, uh, the experience will blow your mind and all this stuff. I didn't re- my mind was not blown. Um, I thought it was pretty. I thought it was visually stunning. I mean, clearly, uh, you know, if you, if you look at a movie like Lord of the Rings, a lot of that is New Zealand, right? Beautiful, stunning New Zealand, where I will be going. And I'll let you know how New Zealand is in February. Um, but it's a lot of the outdoors in New Zealand. I mean, even Helm's Deep, most of that is New Zealand with, you know, a CG castle in the background. Okay. Now, mind you, of course, all the de- undead soldiers that goes, spoiler alert, there's undead soldiers. Yes, this movie is 10 years old, but I still have to say spoilers. Otherwise, you know, there's still people who are pissed off. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I was going to watch all 11 hours and you ruined it with the dead soldiers at the end. How dare you? But yes, there. this world of Avatar is... I, I think it's 100% CG, and, and there's lots of parts. I mean, the whole movie is not 100% CG, but there are a lot of parts where it's just, you know, the giant blue cat people, and they're in the forest, and all of that is CG. And so, yeah, great, you guys have um, really made some nice environments. Uh, you clearly have an enormous render farm in order to spit all of this out in a timely fashion, but... I don't know. It just—it doesn't look amazing. I mean, you look at the at at the blue cat-like people, the Navi. Spoiler. Uh, they they actually look worse than say Gollum. Gollum, you look at uh, or uh, Smeagol or whatever you want to call him from Lord of the Rings. If you look at his skin in 3D, there's this thing called subsurface scattering, where um, they try to replicate human skin by replicating the various layers of the skin texture. So, you know, the top skin texture is rough, and it's, you know, mottled, 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 middled, mottled. It's, it's, got, it's got spots of colors in it. Okay, that's great. That's one thing. But the next layer down, uh, you can see, like, veins, and you can see stuff that's going on underneath the main dermal layer there of your skin. I'm smacking my hand like uh, you're all going to figure out what that means. Um, but, you know, and, it, and it's a very, very advanced uh, system of 3D. These Navi blue people, they just, they've got, you know, flat, kind of bumpy skin with the little twinkly lights kind of stuck in them. They're not, they're not mind-blowing. Like, I, I look at this and I go like, yeah, okay, huh. you know, it's neat, but it's not anything I haven't seen in Lord of the Rings. You know, all the environments they create, it's no different than Helm's Deep, you know. Um, but here's the part, and no, I, now I, I know what you're saying, which is, well, all right, you know, he's been talking about Avatar for a while now, but it, it doesn't, nothing, he's, nothing he is saying really sounds like he's just, he's just completely confused about what's going on, right? Here it comes. Wait for it. Wait for it. It's the story. I've alluded to this already, but it's the story. It's 100% garbage, right? I'm going to ruin it for you. I'm going to ruin it for you straight up, okay? So, you know, if you don't want to hear it, fast forward a minute, and uh, I'm sure I'll be done by then. So, here's the deal. So, So, he is, this guy is sent in to... Uh, th- well, actually, I should back up a little bit. The original premise of this movie is they have created these bodies that look like the blue people whose planet that they are invading. And 
for some reason, the blue people have no consciousness that the blue people that they've made have no consciousness of their own. So these soldiers and scientists and doctors and whatnot sit in these machines and beam their consciousness into the blue people that they've made. I'm with you on board there. That sounds actually that sounds kind of cool how you can grow this thing with no active brain. Okay, I don't care. I'm totally on board with that. Let's do this. So he he gets in there, our hero, Corporal, what's his bucket? I don't know. He gets in there and he start his main goal is he, he his main goal is to try and work out some sort of peace treaty with these people uh, because they want to mine this thing. Oh, good Lord. The thing that they want to mine is called unobtainium. Are you kidding me? Could you think of a less creative? I thought could not get him would be good, would be better. Uh, hard, hard to get him. I'm sorry. Ooh, uh, hard to get him, I thought would be a, a much better name than unobtainium. Um, but it, so, so they want to mine the unobtainium out of this planet. And of course, the Navi are this, you know, hippy dippy. Uh, we were connected to everything on the planet. You can't dig up Mother Earth kind of folk. Okay, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But of course, the big bad company wants to come in and, you know, displace everybody and rip out their stuff and all this jazz, uh, and just, you know, strip mine the whole place. Uh, but, so, so he goes in, you know, Sigourney Weaver, she goes in to make friends with everybody, and this other dude goes in, and, and he's there really to collect intelligence for the military, but he's also there, uh, to, to see if there is a more diplomatic solution. And, and, uh, Giovanni Rabisi, hi, I'm Giovanni Rabisi. You might remember me from such characters as Phoebe's brother on Friends or the retarded guy who falls in love with Juliette Lewis and the other sister. I talk like that. Uh, but, uh, and he did not get an Academy Award for that, and thank God, because that is as gimmicky as it gets. So, uh, that's the sequel to As Good As It Gets, by the way. It's a gimmicky. Everybody's just like, day, 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 the entire movie. Oh, nobody, nobody won an Academy Award. Thank God for the, for the sequel. Anyway, my point is, so, uh, he goes in and Giovanni Rabisi says to him, look, you have three months to change their minds. Get them the hell out of there. Whatever. I don't care. Cause in three months, we are coming in with our digging equipment and we're ripping that place apart. So, I, uh, you know, you're on your own. You figure it out. So he goes and he spends all three months becoming one of the Navi and one of the people and all of this and, you know, and, and nothing. He doesn't talk to them about it. He doesn't tell them about the impending, um, uh, doom that is coming of the strip mining and all of this. He doesn't say to them, well, look, you know, I, I really like you guys. Maybe we can fight the government. Maybe we can fight these people and, and save your land and do all this stuff and be guerrilla warriors, even though you look like bunnies. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so there's none of that. None of that. And then he's doing it with this girl in the bushes or bunny person, whatever. And he falls asleep. And she wakes up to the sound of strip mining equipment. And they, of course, blow the shit out of everything. And he's like, oh, my God, we got to fight these people. 
Where were you two weeks ago? They got their home blown up, you idiot. Where were, where's the discussion of, look, guys, he even says in his video journal, well, it's been three months. I can't believe it. Yeah. You know what happens in three months? There's no merit badge. You get your ass blown up. Maybe you might mention that to somebody. This is just like HDCP all over again. They all knew it was out there. But did they tell me? No. I'm like some stupid-ass navvy who's down on the ground going, Hey, do you hear something? I I wanted to play myself a Blu-ray because I'm blue. And I can't. I wonder what is going on. Oh, look, here comes the copy protection monster that nobody told me about. I'm sorry. Hey, um, uh, yes. Oh, I'm so sorry. The um, interloper who's in our midst. Um, did you know about this? Yeah, no, he did and said nothing. Thousands of them die. They get their big ass tree blown up. Everything goes to hell. Could have said, could have said something. I don't know. Could have said something. I don't know. But here's the part that drives me crazy. Okay, everybody, who, for those of you who didn't want the spoiler spoiled, you can come back now. It's fine. I, I, I guess I was a little bit wrong. It's been six and a half minutes, you know, give or take. Uh, in the unedited world, it's six and a half minutes. So sorry if uh, you tuned in a minute. Sorry if you tuned in a minute later. Now you got more spoilers. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I am not going to do that uh, again I, I will do that again in this podcast, but I'm not going to do that in the other. I'm just, I'm, I'm loading it heavy with uh, shitty impressions in this podcast because I'm so fired up. So the part that drives me insane, the part that I cannot wrap my head around is all the reviews, all my friends, all my folks on Facebook saying, I love this movie. Really? Really? There was, so anyway, I was, I was saying I was over at the Maximum Fun Board and there was a guy who had posted, uh, basically the, uh, statement, how beautiful it is makes you forget how crappy the script is. No. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And what I wrote back to them was, um, why would you spend Five hundred million dollars. Now, it has been widely reported that it, this budget of this film is five hundred million dollars. I don't believe it. I don't believe any studio in their right mind would put up five hundred million dollars for anything. You know, especially something in an untested franchise, right? This is a one-off. We've never heard of this before. Probably never going to heard of this again because they blew the shit out of them guys. Um, so this is it. And you're really you're gonna you're gonna pony up 500 million i don't care if you're james cameron this is this is nothing i mean look we gave you an asshole of money for the titanic because people have heard of the titanic there you go got, got some more bad impressions for you and they're just gonna keep rolling uh era there you go bonus pow i'm full of it um so i don't really believe it was 500 million dollars but but we know because it's James Cameron, we know it's the age of movies and special effects. We know it's several hundred million dollars. Do you know how much a screenwriter costs? Um, let's see. The guy who wrote, uh, uh, not striptease, the Showgirls. 
I can't remember what his name is. It doesn't really matter. He got paid a million dollars to write Showgirls. It was a steaming pile of crap, but he got paid a million dollars. Now, there are people out there who are good screenwriters. I know it's hard to believe. We haven't seen many of them lately, especially in the world of sci-fi. Iron Man, Star Trek, Avatar, but they exist. I know they do. Oh, I know they do. Because I bet you DC Fontana from TO, Star Trek TOS is still around. That stands for original series. Uh, and she wrote some awesome ass shows. So I bet you she could write a decent ass movie. My point is you're going to spend $300 million. How about take $1 million of those dollars and pay somebody to write a script that doesn't suck? And here I am screaming about this on the message boards. I didn't use all caps. I was civil about it. And the guy writes me back and says, get over it. Get over it. Get over it. That's your response. Not that. No, no, no. The script was good. I enjoyed it. No, he fully admits the script sucks donkey dick, and I'm the one with the problem. I'm the one who needs to get over it. You're an asshole, all right? Look, I don't expect you to be as outraged as I am. Clearly, nobody can be as outraged as I am except Lewis Black, Mark Marin. Oh, no, wait, there's a bunch of people who are more outraged than me. Uh, but I'm spitting again. But this is not my problem. Right? The problem is with the movie. The problem is not with me. I mean, yes, obviously, I, I am impassioned about this. Yes, obviously, I take this way, way, way too seriously. But my problem is not with the movie and, and it being good and I am just nitpicking it apart. The movie is bad and it needs to be better. So that's one of those moments where I just could not wrap my head around, what are you talking about? And I don't, I can't wrap my head around, why are you spending all of this money on a script that isn't good? And, and why aren't you taking a little bit more pride in your work to make it good? Because I'm not, I don't need amazing, I don't need perfect. I, you know, I, I, on the message board, I use the example of Tron. Tron is not a perfect movie. Tron has, I'm sure, mistakes, way better script. Way better script than Avatar. Now, Tron, they did the best with what they had, right? Like, the, the special effects were limited. For the time, those light cycles blew people's minds, right? Because really, that was pushing the envelope. Avatar? It's not pushing any envelopes. It's just, it's just a bigger-ass render farm. That's all. But Tron is a, is a movie, holds together, it's very enjoyable, they did the best with what they could. They had a solid script. Uh. All right, enough about Avatar. Let's talk about the next thing that just drives me crazy. I can't wrap my head around. You know, the more I talk about this, the more I realize um, that I could probably go on for days about stuff that I don't understand. And that, you know, I just can't, I can't even wrap my head around. So, for instance, let's talk about what people name their kids, right? Like, what are you thinking, people? Really? Like, uh, first of all, I'm going to say something mildly racist. I understand. I know. 
but it needs to be said. Black people name their kids weird things, right? Really weird things. Now, I understand the occasional Anthony Hardaway, and I'm not talking about all black people, of course, but the Anthony Hardaway, that was a mistake. She thought that's how you spelled it. That's fine. That's now your name. Fine. But, you know, I worked with angry inner-city youths, and I had my share of Laquisha, LaTanya, LaBurbashonda. I, 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 I do not understand this compulsion for the weird name, right? Like, as a kid, just growing up, having a life, don't you just yearn to be accepted, to be part of the group, to not stick out in some crazy, weird way? Just, I want to fit in. I want to be... I, I mean, granted, see, now I lucked out because I have a name, Alan. Uh, it's a good name. I mean, yeah, you know people who have that name, but you don't know 20 people that have that name. I, I think I did pretty well. Uh, you know, I, I have, a, I know a ton of Michaels and they're very bitter about it because, you know, every job that they work at, it's like, oh, I'm the fifth Michael who works here. And then there's always that joke of, hey, we're going to have to call you something else because we already got, a, you know, 28 Michaels. <laughs> Shut up. All right. You don't think I haven't lived with my entire life with this thing where I've got the same name that everybody else does? But still, and to cut the black people some slack, the nice thing about having a name that nobody else has is there's never that question of the person that you're telling it to taking it upon themselves to know how they think it should be spelled. They're always going to ask. You're on the phone with them. What's your name? Durashaquel. How do you spell that? There's not even a, like, you know, the sound of the pencil hitting the paper and writing. No. I have to ask. But, and this is where the white people really suck. They name their kids things that are almost like the name that you know, but a little different. So, for instance, I had a co-worker who named his kid Michelle with one L because that's the French way of doing it. No, he's not French. Wife not French. He, I don't even think he lived in France ever. He lived in Belgium, but they speak Flemish. They don't even speak French. But he just liked it. Michelle, one, uh, what's your name? Michelle with one L? I'm sorry? Michelle, but it only has one L. Uh-huh. And it's just, you're opening up your kid to just a lifetime of, no, 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 it's not, I, I know you think it's, but it's really, it's, why? Why do you do that? What is, what, is this some sort of game to you that you think this is just a good fun time party that you get to name your kid something stupid and then uh, not having any concept of what you're doing to your kid, how this kid will have to live up to this. You know, I talked about in the Kevin Smith uh, podcast where I talked about that woman who wanted to name her kid some sort of Norse ball sweat kind of name that nobody knew or and Kevin Smith couldn't figure out how to spell and she would say it and he'd screw it up. And it was just like, really? Is this, a, is this, is this fun for you? Do you have any idea what you're setting up your child to do? There was a study that they did a while ago where they actually 
studied kids and their names and found out that what you name your kid definitely has an effect on the kid. Now, is it how does that come to be? Do people treat you the way your name is? So if you're, you know, ghost face killer, are, you know, is that, do you assume the role of that? Or do people treat you that way? They did never figured out, but it definitely makes a difference. And so if you name your kid, you know, normal, he's going to turn into a normal and that's it. This is not a joke, people. You're messing with people's lives. For what? Oh, I like the name Caitlin. Great, I guess, even though it's totally played out and every four-year-old on the playground's named Caitlin now. Actually, Caitlin was uh, more like 10 years ago, so all the 10-year-olds are named Caitlin. Ah, Caitlin with a C and a Y. Uh, C-A-T-L-Y-N? No, no, C-A-Y-T-L-I-N. Really? Really? Why? What are you doing? Oh, we got a friend... Named her kid Aaron with a Y. Really? And is that the is that the new white people thing to do? Like, we're just gonna put in Y's. Why? Why? I, I don't know. Why? Because I'm a fucking idiot. Why? Why do we need to do this? Why are we doing this? Because I don't know. I'm desperate in my life to do something creative, and this thing that theoretically I love more than anything else, I will now screw them up with this retarded spelling. Thank you. Oh, and by the way, if you're one of those people out there who named your kid something stupid, you should feel bad. Congratulations. Mission accomplished for me. You feel bad. But of course, you're only going to feel bad for like five minutes. This kid that you've named something stupid is going to feel bad for the rest of their lives. Congratulations, stupid people. Well done. And speaking of psychological disorders, the one thing I don't... We all know that person. That person when they're sick or they have a headache... They say, like, here, here's some pain reliever. Here, Oh, I don't, I don't take that. I don't even take aspirin. That's always what they say. I don't even take aspirin. Why? W- what are you afraid of? It's, it's a pain reliever. You're in pain. You take it. You feel better. What are you going to do? Do you, do you feel bad that you, you're not allowing? I mean, you, you feel have some sort of guilt complex that you deserve this pain and you have to live with it? Or, or you think you're so special that the the drug that millions of people take every day uh, is somehow going to give you brain cancer? You're like you're going to be the the one. You're going to be the special. Oh, just my luck. No, that's that's. See, you're you're saying it all wrong in your head. What you mean is I'm so lucky or I'm so special that I will be the one. Not oh, I have bad luck. Uh, no, uh, uh-uh. uh. You you think you're special. You think you're gonna get it. And maybe you're maybe this self fulfilling prophecy. Maybe if you just keep th- wishing this cancer upon yourself, you're just going to give it to yourself because you are so special in this world that you need to have cancer to make your life more dramatic. Now, mind you, I, I realize there are a lot of people out there who have cancer who didn't wish it upon themselves. I, I-, I understand. I'm not. I'm not outing those people. But my sister is one of these people who refuses to take any drug, and my mother is a huge germaphobe. So. You know, if if the wife and I are around my mom, we load up on drugs if we're sick. We don't want any manifestation of the sickness. My sister, no, I'm just going to sniff and cough, you know, through the thing, which I know drives my mom batshit crazy. So that's a nice, comfortable uh, experience. But really, though, what is it? And, and, And do you think 
that you're giving into the man in some way. Oh, we don't really need those drugs. Those are just poisoning our systems and we're giving in to their, you know, overcharging for drugs. Whatever. Who cares? Just take it. You'll feel better. God, I, that, that, that whole philosophy, maybe it's a martyrdom thing. Uh, maybe it's a poor me. I don't know, but it makes zero sense to me. All right. And finally, I'll leave you on the sort of more generic, I don't understand this philosophy, which is if you're doing a thing and you've been doing the thing for a while and that thing ain't working out, you got to try something else. Right. Like how many times like have do we have we met somebody and they're working on some diet and, and I'm like, how long has this been going on? And they're like, oh, you know, six months. And you look exactly the same. This is not I don't know what you think you're doing, but this is not working out. You know, if, if you genuinely want to lose weight. This isn't it. You got to try something else. Maybe you're allergic to something. Maybe you need to exercise more. I don't know, but you got to try something. And, and this is the philosophy that I just don't understand is the, well, we'll just keep slogging away at this and maybe it'll get better. No, it's not going to get better. So you can try a new way of fixing it or bail out and try something else. And then it's end of everything. It's diets, it's relationships, it's jobs, it's video games. This is, this is the great philosophy that video games have taught me. You know, all those jerks out there who say that you don't learn anything from video games. Ha! Ha! Nay, I say. I think I should have said this before, but I'll say it again. Uh, I used to play, uh, Battlefield, uh, 2 online. And the way they would design the maps, uh, it was made for people to try different routes because it was very, very hard for uh, one person, one team to block off every single route to the things that you needed to get to. So uh, they would design these maps and yeah, they weren't always the most obvious way of getting in there and capturing the flag. They took some skill and some thought and you really had to play it a lot to see these openings, but they were there. They were designed expressly for this solution, this problem solving of taking this back road in and, and uh, doing the right thing. So this is what video games have taught me. You can't just keep hammering away because if you keep trying to run up that mountain and that guy with the bazooka keeps blowing your brains out, you got to try something else. All right, everybody, that's it. This is an exhausting episode. I, uh, I'm sorry, everybody. This is, this is definitely the yellingest episode I think I've had to date. But next time, I swear to you, it's going to be more helpful because next time we're going to talk about advice and the, and the kind of jobs and, that have advice and, and uh, advice I've learned over the years. And so uh, hopefully if this one got you down too much, the next one will perk you up. So from the music of Bright Brown and me and my outrage, we're going to do this one more time. Till then! Of me.